0: tools for living, room to grow, a space of grace to become everything God wants us to be. You're listening to The Living Room Podcast with Joanna Weaver, Episode 25. Well it's February, and with February comes Valentine's Day. And I got to thinking, wouldn't it be cool to spend this month really looking at How we can love one another better. We're going to be doing that for the next three weeks, back to back episodes, which we don't usually do. We're usually every other week. But today we're starting it out by learning how to understand ourselves. And to start it out, I'm excited to have with us Beth McCord. She is an Enneagram expert and coach. You've probably heard of the Enneagram. At first glance, it looks like just another personality test, but when it's used correctly, you guys, it can help us see our strengths as well as our fears and offer ways to grow as we navigate the blind spots and sins that trip us up. I've really found it helpful in my life, and I can't wait to have Beth share what she calls the Gospel-Centered Enneagram. Oh, you guys, this is good stuff. Well, I have been looking forward to this conversation with Beth McCord. Um, she is the author of Becoming Us, using the Enneagram to create a thriving gospel-centered marriage. But we're going to spend this interview actually just talking about the Enneagram because I know a lot of you, maybe you've heard of it. It's like everywhere, but you really don't know what it is. Or or maybe you've even heard some controversy about it. And so I'm just I'm kind of excited about this first interview where we're going to unpack um, the Enneagram and especially Beth's wonderful, unique approach to it that I think can be so life-changing. And then be sure, be sure to tune in for the second interview because we're going to talk about marriage. It's going to be awesome. Welcome to The Living Room, Beth.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here.
0: Uh, I've really, really been looking forward to this. And I'm loving your book. I, I was telling you before we came on, I really feel like it's such a good place to start for those who don't even know what the Enneagram mm. is, because you really do a wonderful job just kind of giving an overview. Can you just tell us a little bit about um, the history of the Enneagram and, and even what brought it to your attention and how God's used it in your life?
1: Yeah, so the Enneagram, really, the word is a Greek word. Ennea means nine, and uh, gram means diagram. And so it's really just a personal growth tool that describes the nine basic ways of relating and perceiving the world. Um, It clearly describes why we think, feel, and behave in particular ways, um, which is based on our core motivations. And those core motivations are, there's four of them. And there's the core fear. This is what you're always trying to prevent or run away from. The core desire, the thing that you're always trying to obtain, life will be perfect if I just have this. And then we have a core weakness. Um, It is basically our Achilles heel, our thorn in our side, the thing that's constantly tripping us up time and time again. And then the core longing. This is the message our heart has always longed to hear from people, from career, whatever you name it. And we're still striving to get that and hear it. And so each personality type has core these core motivations that are specific to them that run in the background, and it's what propels us forward. It's what activates our heart, whether in a positive way or a negative way. It literally is the linchpin to why we do what we do. And so we want to find our personality based off these core motivations, not based on um, behaviors, because Every personality type can actually do similar behaviors, but they're going to do it for different reasons. And it's the reason that we want to look at. And that's what's so important. Um, And so in a nutshell, you can think of the Enneagram as your internal GPS. It's going to tell you your current location, which is your main type that we're talking about. And then it lets you know for that personality type, what a healthiest destination looks like. And of course, for believers, we believe not only, of course, is that being like Christ, but in the unique way he created us with the personality style he gave us. Um, And so there's a healthiest destination But on this side of the fall, we tend to get distracted, fall asleep at the wheel, you name it, and we veer off course time and time again and fall into common pitfalls that frustrate us because we're like, didn't I learn? (laughs) Why am I still (laughs) here? Why am I getting stuck? And so we also use the Enneagram as a rumble strip on the highway. you know, The thing that warns you, wakes you up when you are veering off course and not realizing it. And so we want to use the Enneagram as a gracious tool that lets us know, hey, if you keep thinking, feeling, and behaving in this way, it's the pattern you use that makes you veer off course. So why not kind of wake up right now and use this as a resource to get yourself back in alignment with the truth of the gospel and come under his submission and be more like Christ in the way he designed you. And so that's Uh, in a nutshell, (laughs) there's so much more we will talk about and could talk about. But in a nutshell, that's how we use the Enneagram.
0: I love all that because that's exactly what it has kind of been for me. You know, um, I think some people resist the Enneagram because they're like, oh, it's just a type thing. Or, or, you know, there's even some controversy that is kind of from uh, Eastern religion and some dark stuff. Mm. I, I guess what I would say is for me, I'm not living my life by the Enneagram, but I am yes. shocked at how accurate it is. <laughs> you know, it's not like someone said, here's the types and and we fall into line. No, they just recognize that there were some patterns. And it's really for me, anyway, it's a lot like all of the other personality tests that are out there, you know, the Myers Briggs, the Strength Finders. It's not like they're creating anything new. It's just a recognition that there are some patterns. It's kind of like the sanguine and the phlegmatic and the choleric, um, you know, that was clear back, you know, Greek, Hippocrat what was that guy's name, Hippocrates, that came up with those four personality types that really are remarkable when you think, yeah, yeah, that I can see that. And yet this goes, um, goes even deeper, which I love. I love that.
1: Yes. Yeah. Well, and And kind of getting back to the origins, um, you know, because I know that some believers are going to be suspicious or unsure. Um, And so we have some of the more prominent, more, let's say, modern day teachers, meaning back in the 50s, 60s and 70s, their worldview is not our worldview. In fact, I would say majority of Enneagram teachers don't have a Christian worldview. But think about and, and so people will kind of say, oh, well, then it's, you know, not biblical or even worse things. Well, it's just like when we go and listen to any teacher of any tool or resource, we have to filter it. You know, as mm-hmm. a Christian, we need to filter it. But truth is truth. You know, gravity is gravity. And if you have a teacher that's teaching on gravity in a way that is not biblical, <laughs> biblically sound, that doesn't mean that gravity isn't true. You need to look at the truth from an actual orthodox, um, theologically accurate vantage point on what that would mean. So, you know, like I know I was in an ethics class in college and my professor was an atheist. Now, thankfully, on the topic of abortion, he had an amazing pro-life viewpoint, but on pretty much everything else, no. Um, And so when I'm in his class needing to take that class for credit to graduate, I don't have to believe in how he views certain things. I can take some of the truths that are truths and then reorient my mind and my heart around what is biblically accurate. Yeah. And so with the Enneagram, that's how we use it. My husband and I, my husband went to four years of um, uh, seminary training. And so when we started using Enneagram, which was back in the early 2000s, we saw that, yeah, some of these teachers and books aren't coming from a biblical viewpoint. That doesn't mean you throw out the entire thing. What you want to do is you want to say, OK, what what of this is true and how can I then see it through the light of a theological, theologically accurate perspective um, you know in a gospel centered perspective and that's what we've done for the last 15 years in creating um an enneagram approach that we feel is honoring to God and others
0: yeah I love it. Well, and I think the thing that I've appreciated most about the Enneagram tool is that there are growth paths that it's like, it's not like here, this is just the way I am. No, you, and especially in your book, I love, it's so usable, Beth. It's, I love how you've given, you've dedicated several pages to each type. You've not only um, shown us how to understand ourselves, but also to understand others. And I think that has been so valuable to me to realize, Oh, oh! that's the why they react the way they react. Would you mind just kind of giving us a quick overview of the
1: nine types? Yeah, absolutely. And just to kind of piggyback on what you just said, it's really important that people realize that this is the most exposing you're ever going to be. Um, because the Enneagram, again, is getting to why you do what you do, not what you do the outward behavior, we can all put on a persona if we really wanted to and look good. But this is getting to why. And so we want to be very careful when we're using the Enneagram. We don't want to use it as a sword or a shield. We don't want to harm through belittling, sarcasm, being blunt and harsh, any of those things um, to people about their personality style and what goes on or ourselves But we also don't want to use it as a shield where we're just like, well, this is just who I am. You're just going to have to deal with it. That's my personality style. That's actually totally the opposite of what Christ came for. He came to call us to be like him, but not to pull up ourselves by our bootstraps and fix it ourselves. No, he came to live a perfect life, to die on our behalf. So he took away our sin, but because of his perfect righteousness, he put that on us. And so when God sees us, he sees the perfect righteousness of his son. So we can now own our shortcomings, sins, and faults ask for forgiveness and walk in step with the spirit knowing that he is working in us to make us more like Christ. And so it's actually the opposite. We want to use the Enneagram as a tool to show us where we need to own and apologize, Mm -hmm. but also ask the Holy Spirit to work in and through us and then trust by faith and obeying and moving towards the spirit, knowing that it's only he that can do that work. So another way you can think of the Enneagram is like an x-ray. An x-ray shows that the bones that are not broken, which is great, but it also shows the bones that are broken, whether a little bit or a lot, but it can't heal it. It's just there to bring clarity. And that's what the Enneagram does. It brings astonishing clarity. But our mission statement at Your Enneagram Coach is to help people to experience astonishing clarity so they can break free from self-condemnation, fear, and shame by knowing and understanding the unconditional love, forgiveness, and freedom in Christ. That is what we're really here for. So we want to see what is good, how we reflect God in his glorious attributes, but also where we're struggling, but as a tool to see the hope and the glory of Christ. So as we go through the types, I just want people to know that there's very specific ways we want to use it as a believer and ways that we definitely don't. Um, so I'll go through the first three and then I'll kind of pause and see if you have any thoughts to kind of, um, you know, reflect back on those three. Does that sound good? That sounds fabulous. Okay. So the type one is the moral perfectionist, and I'm just going to go through the core fears real quick or the core fears, the core motivations real quickly, which is the core fear, desire, weakness, and longing, because that's where it really hinges. Um, so the, uh, type one's core fear is being wrong, bad, evil, inappropriate, unredeemable, and corruptible. But they desire to have integrity, to be good, virtuous, balanced, and right. Now their core weakness, what's constantly tripping them up is resentment. Now this is where they're repressing anger, because to them that would be bad and wrong. But this repressing anger leads to continual frustration and dissatisfaction with either themselves, others, and the world for not being responsible or perfect. See, they have a loud inner critic that assaults them with all the imperfections around them. They're not really looking, they are not looking for it. The inner critic assaults them with it. And then they get frustrated, like, am I the only adult here that sees these things and that takes care of it? And that's where the resentment kind of comes in. But again, it's a one loud inner critic that knows what's right. And the type one feels they must follow it. Now, what they long to hear is you are good. And Christ satisfies that. And this is where we bring a unique spin into the Enneagram is that Christ satisfies your core longing and Christ through his life, death, and resurrection. We now in Christ are seen as good, not based on what we did, but based on what he did and what he gave to us. Now the type two is a supportive advisor and they fear being rejected, unwanted, thought worthless, needy, and unworthy of love. Now, what they desire is to be appreciated, loved, and wanted, but they struggle with the core weakness of pride. And this is where they deny their own needs and emotions while focusing intently on the needs and emotions of others. They actually have this kind of superpower, intuition of knowing what others need and what they're feeling at any moment. And then they feel that they need to confidently insert their helpful support in hopes that others will see and say how grateful they are for their thoughtful care. Now, the type two longs to hear you are wanted and loved. And Christ satisfies that because he literally left his throne to live a rough life, to be beaten, betrayed, and die all because he wanted and loved you. And so Christ answers that for the two. And then the type three is our successful achiever. They fear being exposed or thought of as incompetent, inefficient, worthless, and failing to be or appear successful. So what they desire is to have high status and regard, to be respected and admired, to be successful and valuable. Now they struggle with the core weakness of deceit, but this is where they're deceiving themselves into believing that they're only the image they present to others. So they believe they need to embellish the truth by putting on a polished persona for everyone, including themselves, to see and admire. Now, their core longing is to hear you are loved for simply being you. You don't have to accomplish anything. I see you and love you for just who you are. And here's the thing. Christ satisfies that because we cannot ever earn enough to be loved. Only he can do that for us. So he earned everything we needed. He accomplished everything we needed. And we can rest on that accomplishment knowing that we are loved. So those are the first three. Any thoughts? Yeah.
0: Well, you've kind of hit what I think my type is. So it's really interesting. I know when I was trying to determine, um, you know, where I kind of fell in the Enneagram, you've got a really great test that people can take over at your EnneagramCoach.com, correct? Uh Yep. Yeah, and I think it really helped to even look at just a list of them. And and in your book, you've got them just outlined so well, all the different types with those core fear, core desire, core weakness, core, core longing. And I think for me, what it was helpful was just to, you know, I I found myself going, yeah, but I don't fall exactly into one of them, but to look for the ones that resonated most. Do you have any tips for that as you're kind of trying to determine where you are?
1: Oh, Sure. Yeah, that's a great um, thing to, to just note. We, we use all nine types to varying degrees, but one reigns supreme. And so don't get um, too hung up on, but I see this a little bit in me and I see a little bit of that. Actually, there's reasons for that when you get into all the layers of the Enneagram. Um, right. If people were to see the symbol, it looks like a nine pointed star. And each point represents one of the nine basic personality types. But each uh, point also has two lines connected to it and they're connected to two personality types. And we move on those lines, whether in stress or growth and take on some of the attributes of that other number. Now we don't become that other number that's not, it doesn't become our main type. We just take on some of the attributes. So, and there's wings, which are the two numbers on either side of you that influence your type. Again, you don't become those two numbers, but they influence you greatly. So What we want to realize is, yes, there's going to be a lot of influence of other numbers for different reasons. And so uh, don't get too hung up on feeling a little torn between a couple of numbers that might, you know, be pretty prominent in you, we're really trying to find out what really motivates your thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. And so it's good to kind of think back to when you were in your early 20s, mid-20s, when you were just kind of in your average stage, you know, you weren't super healthy, but you weren't really, you know, at your worst, just kind of in this autopilot zone where you just kind of had some struggles, you know, you weren't like probably thinking and growing, you were just reacting to life. That's kind of what you want to see is what was going on then and also in your everyday life. And you want to look over the span of a lifetime, not just a hard season or really healthy season, just kind of an overview of your life and really think through, why did I do that? Or why did I think that? What was I running away from? Or what was I trying to get? Um, what was my core longing? And it's still, for some people, it can be very tricky. There's two types in particular that it can be hard to land on, which is six and nine. And when I get there, I can kind of explain why. Um, And then there's different qualities of the types that can be a lookalike to the other types. And the people who, let's say, are struggling between two numbers, you can go to my website, your forward slash mistypes And there's a free PDF download that will show you the differences between any two types. So that way, if you're like, am I a one or two, they both seem like a big part of me. I'll show you the big differences to help you to kind of see which one is really the top dog.
0: Yeah, I think that that's really key. Um, And for me, at least, you know, the the initial test was helpful, but it really kind of takes a little bit more study and reading. And I think there comes clarity as we study those two. And especially like you say, seeing them side by side for me, what really helped was recognizing the wing because, um because as w- when I looked at, I, I see, I feel like I'm a two, but I have a very strong three wing yeah. and, and it was helpful because I'm like, okay, I don't, I know I don't fully fall in the three, Yes, even though I've got a lot of those qualities, but, and neither do I fall completely in the two, but when I put those two together there, it really, really did help. So I'm Mm. so glad you have that tool. Thank you. Thank you. Let's go
1: ahead, go on and look at type four, five, and six. Okay, great. Yes, yeah, so the type four is a romantic individualist, and they fear being inadequate, emotionally cut off, plain mundane, defective, flawed, and definitely not having a unique significance. So what they're desiring is to be unique, special, and their most authentic self. But they struggle with the core weakness of envy. And this is where they feel that there's something tragically flawed or missing inside them um and they see that others possess qualities that they lack so they start to envy and so think of them as having like like all of us having a puzzle that we're a puzzle you know when you make a puzzle and you're so excited to get it all done and show everyone And then there's the missing piece and you're like, oh my goodness, like it could have been so great, but it's not. Well, that's how the four feels inside that there's something tragically missing. And so they want to put on a unique persona to be unique and different, to be seen and loved for exactly who they are, which is their core longing, um, And so um, that can be a real hard part for the four is one, they also have a lot of emotions and it feels like a tsunami of emotions. They're very aware of the emotions um, and they feel misunderstood by others. So that's the type four. And again, the core longing is you are seen and loved for exactly who you are, special and unique. And the great way that Christ satisfies this is that he's the one that created you in your mother's womb. And God doesn't make mistakes. He delights in his creation. And so you aren't defective and flawed. I mean, we all are in the sense of sin, but as a creation, how he designed you, he did not make a mistake. And so you can enjoy um in full, that you are unique and different and that he created you exactly the way he designed you. Um, now, the type five is the investigative thinker. They fear being annihilated, invaded, not existing, or being thought um, incapable, ignorant. But they also fear being having obligations placed on them where they might experience catastrophic depletion of their internal energy and resources. Now, What they desire is to be knowledgeable, capable, and competent. But their core weakness is avarice. And avarice here in the Enneagram is different than being greedy with money, this is where they feel that they lack inner resources and that too much interaction with others will lead to catastrophic depletion. So you're going to find them withholding themselves from contact with the world and holding on and minim- their resources and minimizing their needs. So think of them as being a cell phone battery that even after plugging in all night and kind of being ready for the next day, they only have 20 to 25% interactive battery life with others um, for the whole day. And so they need to know kind of what's going to be happening relationally so that they can ration that out throughout the day. But a lot of times people, they don't know that that person, that type five has those intense needs. And so they think, oh, they're like me, another slight introvert or an extrovert. And they intrude in their space, let's say coming into the office space or um, surprising them or putting obligations on them without really giving them a heads up. And they don't realize how that really sucks the energy out of the five. Now, a lot of us Even just normal introverts can be like, oh, I'm tired. I need to go kind of recharge. But for the five, this is a whole different level. This is that feeling that catastrophic depletion is going to happen and that there's no ability to return. So you're going to find this person uh, pulling back quite a bit, needing some privacy to think and process their emotions. Um, And so their boundaries can be pretty strict, especially when they feel like there's no energy left for them. Um, And so that's the type five. What they long to hear is your needs are not a problem. They feel like their needs are big boulders that would harm others and themselves. So they minimize them. Um, But Christ absolutely says your needs are not a problem. I mean, he is the God of the universe. If he can create all of that that's around us, your needs are not a problem. And it's a delight for him to take care of us. Then our type six is the loyal guardian. They fear feeling fear itself, being without support, guidance, and security. They also fear being blamed, targeted, alone, and physically abandoned. Now, they desire to have security, guidance, and support. Now, their core weakness, though, is anxiety. Now, anyone can be anxious, all the types. But for the six, this is what they're scanning the horizon of life and trying to predict and prevent negative outcomes, especially Worst case scenarios. So they're going to remain in a constant state of apprehension and worry. And one of the reasons is that they have an inner committee. Now, remember, we talked about the one having one loud inner critic that they trust and follow wholeheartedly. The type six has an inner committee that chimes in from all perspectives and all different directions. What about this? What about that? Did you plan on this? Did you plan on that? And it creates chaos and confusion, indecisiveness, and self doubt for the six. So they feel they can't trust themselves, they have to look outside themselves for guidance and support from someone or belief system that they can trust. So it's very different than the type one. The one is following their inner critic and um, gut reaction. The six struggles with trusting their mind because of all the chaos and confusion looks outside themselves for that guidance. Now what the six longs to hear is you are safe and secure. And of course, with God Almighty, we are safe and secure. Now, of course, we don't know day to day if we're going to be physically safe, but eternally in Christ, we are safe and secure in His love and His care. So those are the next three. Wow. Uh, that's so good. I love
0: I love hearing these because I think that there's some people listening. They're like, yeah, yeah, that, mm-hmm. that's me. Yes. And I think that was the thing that was really sweet for me when I was studying the Enneagram, I think we all desire to be known and, mm. uh, we, and we really don't know ourselves. So until someone says it, we're, we're able to recognize it. And for me, that was really sweet because then I could also, I could see my strengths. And that's the thing I also love about the Enneagram. It's very clear about the strengths, yeah. but it also highlights the weaknesses. and And one of the things that I love that you do is you talk about, there's so, like you said, so many layers to the Enneagram. That's why, um, that's why, while you might not find yourself just exactly in one type, as you look at the wings and the triads and the different things, but you also bring up that, that there's an alignment that also affects our number. Can you talk about that?
1: Yeah. So, um, in 1977, one of the teachers in the Enneagram, Don Richard Riso, um, he's since passed, but he came up with the levels of development. Such a great um, way to understand our personality because, you know, what are we like when we're doing well and healthy? But when what are we like when we're not doing well and not healthy? Um, and so it's really important for us to take a look at. But from our vantage point, from a Christian perspective, what we've noticed is it's really levels of alignment. And this is when we're aligned, misaligned, and out of alignment with the truth of the gospel. Now, when we're in Christ, our relationship status never changes. It is Him who has done the work for us and will continue that work. But our mind and our heart can wander from believing what is actually truth that we are His beloved. But when we're aligned with the truth of the gospel, we will know, believe, and trust in who we are in Christ and that He is the antidote to our core fears and core desires, and he takes care of everything. And when we're in that state of being aligned, we are going to live out fully as if, because we, we are his beloved, but we're going to know it and live it out in such a beautiful way. Yeah. But when our mind starts to wander, we're going to start to live in a misaligned way, which is kind of autopilot or average health. And we're going to think that you know, God is great. And yes, he's sovereign. He's doing all this good work over here in my life. But is he going to take care of this over here? Maybe I need to start to take control. And that's when we start to live in our own strength. Now, maybe not across the board, but definitely in some key areas of life. And it can really have some uh, consequences and hindrances for us. Um, And we're not always aware of it. It's almost like we're sleepwalking. Um, And so that is something to really just be to to note and understand. But then when we're not doing well at all, we can be out of alignment with the truth of the gospel. Now we're still his beloved, but we're not believing it. We're not recognizing it. And we're living as if we're an orphan alone in life. And so we're just trusting in our own abilities and our own strengths and strategies, which hurt us and others more and more. And this is when outside help might be needed to get us out of that kind of stage. So, but here's the thing. The good news is, Christ is taking care of everything. And to get up the levels of alignment, it's not reading more books and fixing yourself and pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. Now, of course, there's always good things that we want to obey and follow the Lord in. But first, we have to surrender and depend on on who we are in Christ and ask Him to work in and through us, it's then that the Holy Spirit moves in and brings us back up in the levels of the development, reminding our heart of who we already are in Him. And of course, we want to walk by faith and um, do what He has you know, commanded us to do, but it's through the Holy Spirit that those things happen. And that's how we talk about the levels of alignment. Yeah, yeah. Well, and as I,
0: the Lord has been growing and maturing me and, you know, He's so good, isn't He? He loves us just the way we are, but He loves us too much to leave us that way. And it's been fun as I've studied the Enneagram to go, oh, that's what you were up to. Mm -hmm. And those times when my core desire or my core longing has been frustrated Yes. Um, the Lord has been teaching me. I, I write a lot about it in having a merry spirit, allowing God to change us from the inside out. That my flesh woman, that, that flesh that dwells in me, Paul says, um, and it's at war with God and his spirit. That's where flesh woman freaks out when my core longings not being met, when people don't appreciate my number two ness. And yes. <clears throat> I'm learning to go, Ooh, what a good opportunity. A crucifixion, you know, where it Mm -hmm. says put to death those the flesh and its evil desires. You know, not that they're evil, they're 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 legitimate longings, but they've been magnified to a place that if I'm constantly being led by my core longing, I'm not going to become the woman of God that he Mm. wants me to be. So I really love that you bring that out.
1: Yeah. And the progression of an idol is that we first desire and actually desire is not bad. God gave us desires. Um, Desires can be really good. But when we start to then demand and then judge and then punish others for not coming through for us, that's when it starts to become an actual idol. And so that's, you know, really what you're talking about. And so we just want to recognize, okay, God gave me desires as a type two, three, six, whatever type that are good. But when does it take it too far? When do we start to demand, judge, and then punish to get what we think we need instead of trusting that he has his timing and purposes for us?
0: Oh, so, so, so good. I
1: cannot wait. I cannot
0: wait to dive a little bit deeper into this in our next interview. But for this interview, we just wanted to get this overview. So why don't you go ahead and tell us about type 7, 8,
1: and 9? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So sevens are the entertaining optimists and they their core fear is being deprived, trapped in emotional pain, limited, bored, and definitely missing out on something fun. So the true FOMOs of the world. Um, they desire to be happy, satisfied, and fully content but they never feel like they are. And that's where the core weakness comes in is gluttony. Now, this isn't just about food. This is a feeling that they have a great emptiness inside and having an insatiable desire to fill themselves up with experiences and stimulations in hope that they will feel completely satisfied and content. But think of them having an empty bucket inside that has holes in it. Well, it never feels like it's filling up, and so they're constantly thinking of the next fun thing, the next exciting thing, and they're always planning for what to do next. Because to sit there without filling that up, it's like a kid who's starving and has hunger pains. They're not just going to be like, "Oh, I'm just going to like kick back, no worries." It's, they're going to be looking for food. But what happens often for the sevens is they'll see cotton candy. And they're like, Oh my gosh, this is going to be amazing. And then they eat it and it's like, Oh, that's so wonderful, but it doesn't satisfy. Right. So it's like filling up this bucket that has holes in it and it just never fully satisfies. So what they long to hear is you will be taken care of. They don't think anyone is or can because they're not getting that um, complete uh, satisfaction. But the more a seven is present in the moment and looks around them at what blessings they do have and savoring the moment, the more those holes plug up and they start to feel satisfied because God is taking care of them, has always been taking care of them. But so often they're looking forward to the next thing, that they don't take notice of the now. And it's the now and the savoring that makes them feel filled up. Then our type eight is a protective challenger. They fear being weak, powerless, harmed, controlled, vulnerable, manipulated, and definitely left at the mercy of injustice. They just want the desire to protect themselves and those in their inner circle. Now, their core weakness is lust or excess, where they're constantly desiring intensity, control, and power. And they might be pushing themselves willfully in life or even on people in order to get what they want and desire. And AIDS, I talk about them as being snowplows because they have this incredible intensity and power and drive, which we need, just like we need a big diesel snow plow in the Midwest and the North to plow a highway that has a foot of snow. We need that. But we also don't need it to nick us on the side of the road or plow over us. And so we need the eights to recognize how amazingly powerful they are to plow a path for others, but to recognize who's around us and how they're doing it in order for it to be absolutely beneficial. And they can just be real powerhouses, which is great. Now they long to hear, you will not be betrayed. And the amazing news for them is Christ was the most betrayed. He absolutely understands what that was like. And he will not betray nor forsake us. Then last but not least is the type nine, my type, the peaceful mediator. We fear being in conflict any kind of tension or discord being shut out or overlooked and losing connection and relationship with others. We want inner stability, peace of mind and harmony. Now our core weakness is sloth. And this isn't about a physical laziness, though we do like our cozy comforts. This is about remaining in some kind of unrealistic or idealistic world in order to keep the peace, remain easygoing and not being disturbed Especially by our inner anger that we try to suppress. See, we fall asleep to our passions, abilities, desires, and needs by merging with others' abilities, desires, and needs to keep the peace. And so we lose ourselves in that process. And so if you ask a nine, well, what do you want to do in five years? Or what's your goals in life? Or where do you want to go to lunch today? We're going to be like, "Mm, I don't know. What's yours? (laughs) And we'll merge with you because we just want to keep the peace. We want to make people happy. Um, And the where we long what the core longing we have is to hear your presence matters because the nine's mind believes that we our presence doesn't matter our gifts talents anything about us is less important than anyone else and so we kind of hide those things from ourselves and others to merge and make others more important but christ satisfies this core longing because we matter so much he left his throne to live a hard life, to die and to rise again, all because we matter to him, to bring us back in relationship with him. I don't know anything else that can say your presence matters more than that. And there's the last three. Yeah.
0: Wow. So, so good. Oh my goodness. Well, we could talk so much about this and I can't wait to continue our conversation in the next interview, the episode that we're going to be doing here in the living room. But what would you say to that person who, who would say, um, I, I don't know where I fall. What yeah. would, how would you encourage them? And again, you know, this, this may or may not be for everyone. And I want to mm-hmm. say that up front. Yeah. but I do, do want you to know. That um, those of you listening that there really is value in, in understanding ourselves. Mm-hmm. Some of us are hyper self-aware, almost to a point of <laughs> damage because we're constantly looking inside and I kind of fall in that, car- that category. Others of us are really, we're completely aware. And so how can
1: we start? Where should we begin? Yeah, so they can go to your um, And in the upper right hand corner is our free assessment. And just see where you fall, there's going to be percentages that will reveal um, how you scored. But don't let that be the definitive word. Let that be a guiding post for you. Then you can also download our free PDF that has all these core motivations for all nine types. And that's your forward slash core motivations. And there you can download this uh, PDF with all of these. And I would say just look at those top three types, and then do one at a time and kind of reflect over the course of a day, a couple days of do you do certain things, think, feel and behave, because of Let's say personality one, not one, sorry, like A, B, or C, like the ones that you feel resonate the most to you. And when your heart gets activated, um, why? What's going on? You know, is it for personality A, B, or C? Like, so just start to observe from a non judgmental uh, viewpoint. Yes. That's really hard for people because they feel like they have to judge and put themselves down, but we really need to just have self observation, not a time of criticism and judgment is just seeing, why do I do what I do? And so I would just take several days to do that. Um, If you're still stuck and you need a little bit more information on the Enneagram, you can get our um, Discovering You course. It's two hours with 14 modules broken down into 10 minutes each with a 16 page workbook that is super helpful. Um, And I will explain more about the Enneagram, but also a, a much richer overview of all nine types. And that should really help you. Um, when you take the free assessment, you actually get a coupon code for 50% off. So go ahead and do the free assessment and then get your course and walk through the discovering you process um, that way. And some people, it's still hard. The type sixes and nines tend to be the ones that struggle the most. The nines, because they see all viewpoints. That's how they bring balance and harmony in their relationships, because they understand everyone. And so for them, they're like, well, I see myself in everything. Uh, The six will say, well, it depends. You know, sometimes I'm extrovert. Sometimes I'm introvert. Sometimes I'm a go-getter. Sometimes I'm fearful. And so that could be another type that can struggle. But anyone... Can struggle because we can use several types um, to a large degree, and that's okay. In fact, those that struggle to find their type, one, it's very normal. And two, they're the ones that grow the most because they're taking the time to find their type. Now, they'll feel frustrated because we're in America and it's like everything has to be fast, you know, and accomplish it quickly, but that's just not how the Enneagram is. The Enneagram is a journey that we take of self discovery, and it's not a fast one. So take your time. Be patient with yourself and know that God will reveal things to you in His time um, and purpose. Yes. And I think the most important
0: thing to remember, there is no right or wrong type. There's no better or best type. Um, And and we're going to talk a little bit about that in the next interview, um, just about the strengths of the different types. Uh, Here's the thing that I love. When we become aware, not only of our own type, but also the type of others, we can value people. We can understand where they're coming from a little bit better. And we can actually, we can actually, one of the things I love about your book. I do have to mention this, you guys. One of, one of the best places to is to pick up, um, Beth and Jeff's new book, Becoming Us. Using the Enneagram to create a thriving gospel-centered marriage, I would say this is not just for those of you who are married. It is—it's a great primer for the Enneagram. Great place to stop, start. Excuse me. Great place to start, um, and and also I would say for those of you who are not married, please, please listen to the next episode because we're going to go deeper, and I can't wait. This yeah. is so good, Beth. Thank you, thank you for being with us. Thank you can't wait till next time. See you guys soon. So what do you think? Now I realize that the Enneagram isn't for everyone, but I hope that you won't completely dismiss it because when it's used correctly, it can help us understand ourselves as well as the people around us even those who are different from us, like our spouses or our children or our coworkers or our friends. I hope you'll tune in next week because we're going to share part two of our time with Beth as she shares insights from her new book, Becoming Us. You're going to learn why all nine types are valuable and you're going to learn specific ways you can love and accept them as they are, especially in marriage. Ooh, I can't wait. Be sure to go to the show notes at joannaweaverbooks.com forward slash 025. You'll find a giveaway that we're hosting on Facebook. You can enter to win Beth's new book as well as her Discovering You course, which is filled with tools to help you understand all nine Enneagram types and nail down your own number. Also, you'll find links to a free Enneagram test that she offers, and I hope you'll take it, especially before you listen to part two. And hey, tell your spouse that Joanna wants them to take the test as well, because you're going to find advice next week that is really going to help you guys love each other better. Now that's something worth striving for. So tune in next Wednesday, because I really believe that dwelling in understanding with each other is how we live and love and lead like Jesus. See you next week.